All right, everybody. All right. Look at us. This is our first official late start. Isn't that true? We're always on time. We're always on. A lizard. A lizard. <laughs> a uh. wizard is never late. Mm-hmm. He arrives precisely when he means to. So we're a little late. We were having some technical issues. Kevin solved them all. As usual, Kevin, man, just, just Kevin an solved absolute genius. Gentleman and a scholar. Kevin, you got anything to say for yourself? It's all lies. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's a lie that you're a gentleman and a scholar, but it's true but you did that you solve it. You solved it. You did. It's all lie. <laughs> so here we are three minutes late. How you doing, man? I'm all right. You all right? Hanging in there? Yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm, you know, because of the stress, I didn't go to the restroom like I normally would have. So, you know, I got that on my mind, but we're just going to go away. Hopefully in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hopefully just because the feeling goes away and not because I either one. Not because I peed in my pants. All right, guys, we're starting a new series tonight. Stoked about that. Um I don't know exactly how long it'll be. We haven't quite worked mm-hmm. out all the stuff we want to cover, but the series, if you've probably seen just from at least the title of the video, broadly will be on what we call ecclesiology, which is just a fancy way of talking about the church. This is what we believe mm-hmm. about what the church is, how the church functions, how we're supposed to relate to the church. So Throughout the course of the series, we'll end up talking about communion, baptism, probably worship and what it means to worship God as a group of people. Post-service refreshments, donuts, are appropriate? Do you remember, that, that just brought something up. Do you remember when we went to a conference and there was a panel of people talking about the church and like what was important? And like what things the church had to change. I was there with just you at this conference. Did they talk about donuts? They talked, the dude went on a rant about donuts and how it was horrible that churches are known for serving donuts after service when they're so incredibly unhealthy. Do you remember that? I vaguely maybe remember this. It was a dude that we both know who wasn't the one ranting, but like he had brought a friend who wasn't from the church world as like he's on this panel Mm -hmm. kind of representing a friend of the church from outside of the church's realm. And his big thing was like donuts at the church is the problem that you need to change. Well, you know, Maybe the world would change. I, I wish he was right because that's a relatively that's easy, an easy switch problem to, make. to solve. You're done. We're gonna put carrots out. Raw Although carrots. my daughter would be super bummed if we yeah, stopped my serving. My kids would be pretty upset too. My my daughter was so into the donuts, and during COVID, when we were meeting, you know, meeting outside this whole time, um, there's a member of our church who's regular volunteer who, at the service she came to, he was the dude who had the tongs and he would get the donut for yeah. her. And after we had done that for a couple of weeks, we were at home. And I saw her by herself and she had all her like toy cookies out and she had her toy kitchen tongs and she was like taking pretending them and serving to be him. him. And I was like, what are you doing? And she, and she said, this is her exact quote. I'm pretending to be the donut boy at church, yep. but the donut boy is like a middle-aged man. So that, that cracked me up. I told him that I actually just saw him at the story. He's like, tell your daughter, the donut boy says hi. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal, man. That's a, that's actually not a bad intro to what we're going to be talking about today. No, I mean, the, truth be told, I'm all for changing it up, man. It, it would make my joy complete is he had some sashimi out laying out there for me, man. Man. But that gonna hurt the ch- that's, that's going to hurt the church budget. That's going to hurt the church, unless we get bad. So like, yeah, like if I just go to, you know, Coyote, do some fishing. You, you could pull poke to get some monkey face eel sashimi yeah, that'll work. and serve it on like day old rice that's going to be thrown away yeah, from can, restaurants we, we, have, we can make cheap sashimi man. we might be able to make suzanne lopez who's actually an authority here says no one stops donuts which is a really broad statement about donuts in general yeah because here's the thing no matter how bad the sermon was that sunday 
There's at least you something still to look got forward some donuts, to. man. You got a donut, didn't you? That's what you can tell someone when they complain about yeah. the content of the sermon. It's I was true. a little bit concerned about the doctrine and the ex- and you, did you get a donut or didn't you? Go that way. So the reason we're talking about church, um, and it's not necessarily as like immediately like, oh, wow, what a spicy, interesting thing to talk about. But it's really, really important because something we've talked about from the beginning with Theology Thursday is the propensity we have as people to kind of do theology backwards rather than intentionally making informed theological yeah. decisions. We kind of reverse engineer theological beliefs from practices and like, you know, just kind of general allegiances. Yeah, most of the time you've been doing something in a certain manner for a long time. And someone asks you like, well, why do you do this like this? And then you find Bible verses or yeah. reasons to back up why you do what you do. And I think church is one of the, the most egregious areas of this. And we saw a lot of it come up over the last year. And so, oh, obsessive gardener. He says he's late again, but this time he's only seven minutes late. He, he literally heard me say the word spicy, probably. And it drew him. You know, Obsessive Gardener sent me an email last week. I didn't tell you this yet, mm. but he sent me an email that was an enticing picture of like a little green pepper that's still not yet like reaching its full spicy full potential. potential. But he's like, when these are ready, we're going to have you guys okay. over. So we're going to, we're coming to your garden as soon as you invite us, Obsessive Gardener. So yeah, th- this has been, as we all, you know, we're probably sick of hearing it, but crazy bizarre year. And it's really kind of wreaked havoc on the way that we as Christians relate to church. Yeah. And so as we're sort of starting to see the end in sight, we figured it was really important to talk about what the church is, what the church isn't, how Christians ought to relate to it and understand the various functions of it and parts of it so that we can, you know, we have kind of like a good opportunity here to build up more from scratch yeah. um, as individuals. So what do you think kind of, oh, seven pot brain strain? Is that the name of the... Are you serious, Kevin? Kevin, Kevin, talk about what you were talking about just now. Hey, obsessive. Is that a cross between the seven pot Dougla and the, um, what's one of those custom ones? I have no idea what they're talking about. Kevin, Kevin's pepper knowledge is. He's been impressive today. It's, it's extra impressive. <laughs> so at while Kevin and obsessive Gardener have their own side yeah. conversation. What do you think? Like just right off the bat are some of the, yep. He, he was right. There you go. Kevin. When Kevin starts his spinoff podcast, yeah. Pepper Mondays, you guys can have this conversation then. It's so me and obsessive. Just the two of you guys on yep. your own thing. So yep. what what are the kind of immediate things that come to mind when you think of just broad impacts on church, churchgoers? I mean, obviously the big thing is shutdowns where you mm-hmm. can't meet inside the sanctuary. For a long time, churches couldn't meet at all, church online. What does that do to us? Yeah, I mean, as you said, the first and obvious one is just it messed up your rhythms, and Americans were already having bad rhythms and habits with churches. So so even if you considered yourself a regular churchgoer, if you actually examined how many times you were going to church, you might find that it's once a month, that once every five weeks, once every four weeks. Uh, and really, Sunday for a Christian needs to be a priority. It needs to be a part of that regular weekly rhythm. And so we were already having bad habits with that. But what COVID did is it really shattered that because then you could just kind of watch church whenever, whenever you wanted. Yeah. And there's any accountability that might have been there. I mean, it's already pretty easy in a medium or large size church yeah. to like you miss two weeks, nobody really notices, but if it's online, mm-hmm. I mean, you can watch it. Not at all. You could watch it on Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Sunday night, whatever. And, and you know, that can definitely be 
appealing. And I feel like broadly, right off the bat, there were sort of two general responses to that. There were people who realized how badly they needed the church in yeah. light of that, couldn't wait to come back. Second, we started meeting outdoor. They're there every single week. And, the, and you know, the attitude is like, I'll never take this for granted again. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, you know, obviously the, the right response. But then the other response that I think is really easy to fall into is just sort of being like, I kind of like this whole. Yeah. It's easy. It's flexible. I could do it when I want. And that's, that may be the case for some of you watching right now. It's like, you're going to, you're going to saying like, convince me that I need to be back. Um, and just one of, one of the things with the habit of the regular weekly rhythm is that becomes a part of your life and part of your schedule and you're getting up and doing something embodied with other people, which is really important. It's really yeah. important. Yeah. And we'll, I think we'll keep talking about that throughout the night probably. Um, but again, that sort of that general response is not necessarily for a theological reason e on both sides, even the kind of response that says like, oh man, I really want to. Yeah. Um, and so maybe in the chat, you guys can, can chime in and just say, if you, you know, feel free to be honest, if you were like, I don't, man, it's been kind of nice to just be able to chill at home whenever I want. Or, um, or if you really sincerely felt like, dude, I just could not wait to be with people again. Um, but yeah, either way, if you, if you're, especially if you're the person who like, you kind of have leaned into the being online thing, I think it's imp really important for us to kind of resist the natural inertia in that direction that's going to build up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you always are going to tend to naturally go toward whatever is easier and more comfortable, even if it's not necessarily better. Um, and so, yeah. So what, what do you think are some of the dangers that we're going to face as individual Christians coming out of this? Just in terms of, I mean, you talked about what does it do when that rhythm of embodied Christian living weekly with other people gets disrupted? What does that do? Well, there's one thing I'm thinking about right now, and it's, it has the benefits of you being the host of the show and me not. So you had mentioned that you didn't get to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's like you being the ho host, you just can't get up and leave. And I'm thinking about whether or not I just say you're the host and I walk up and leave and get out of here for a second. Um, but one of the big, the, the, the missing of corporate worship is huge. Singing with people is seriously a, a big deal. Yeah. Like us not gathering and singing. There's something different. Like when we were doing online, I got to sing with my kids like in our home. Yeah. But that's different than hearing God's people gathered together. Yeah. And doing it together. And, and that, that's you going out of your way to do something kind of awkward and sing along with the TV, which a lot of people I'm sure didn't do. Yeah. you. So you might have not been doing that practice, this kind of singing, which is a command in scripture for, for a, quite some time. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like we know this is kind of awkward, but we know from just some of our analytics like that it's very common for people to just watch the sermon. Yeah. yeah. And if we already, which we know we do, we already live in a culture where church is so sermon centric. Yes. You know what I mean? It's sort of like people think that's what church is and you go and you like do some yeah, warm up not, songs. It really, and, yeah. And it's absolutely, I mean, it's really important. The preaching of the word has always been a central part of what the church does, but it's not the only thing. Um, and I'm sure again, we're, we're going to have a whole, Kevin, what do you think about this? Cause watch this, Kevin, put on Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, <laughs> what do we got? Watch this. <laughs> the centrality of the preached word. I won't say anything against it for fear of reprisal for fear of reprisal <laughs> well, look at that so isaac well, isaac has been a hasty escape i don't know if he has a phone call or whatever but i can carry on without him and kevin kevin can chime in with me um but here here's what i want to say about the centrality of the preached word we are in the west 
a, a information driven culture. Like we worship info, we worship facts and figures. Um, I remember I had a professor at one point who talked about how, um, in the West we have, I think he said, drank deeply of the cup of Western literary belief. And the whole idea was like, all we think of is, is reading, learning, and facts. And we don't know and recognize the importance of things like singing. So there's already a propensity just to kind of like, you're just going to lean into information to the sermon portion of a, of a service. And either you don't sing or you come late enough to miss the singing on purpose or whatever it is. If it, you know, it actually reminds me, um, the obsessive gardener says Isaac was raptured. You know, I don't know how well you know Isaac, but let's just say that if the rapture happened and only one of us disappeared, it would be Kevin. <laughs> not either That's of probably not, not either of us. So here's a story, Kevin, that I actually remember. And this was told to me when I was, a, I was a worship pastor for a while before I was doing more of the teaching and mission stuff. And I remember one of the singers on our team telling me that she arrived at service on a day when she wasn't the one singing, but she, she's just showing up and she was getting her coffee outside. And there was another guy there and she heard the music start and she looked at this, this person who she didn't know and she was like, oh, wow, it's starting. I got to get in there. And the guy with a complete straight face said, oh, they're just singing in there, <laughs> which, which like perfectly kind of sums up, I think. And it, he was just being honest. And you know what? That, re that actually reminds me of another situation I had when I had first started preaching years ago. I had on, a, on one Sunday, I had the like preachy microphone on my ear. And it was a big deal. I'm nervous. It's not a normal, it wasn't at the time a normal thing for me to do. And I was in the men's restroom prior to service starting, washing my hands. And another guy walked up to the sink and he wasn't someone I knew, but I'd seen him around. And he looked at me and he looked at the microphone and he goes, wow. And he wasn't, so what I'm about to say is so mean, but he wasn't <laughs> trying to be mean to me. He, he looked at me and he looked at the microphone and he goes, wow, going to be a real pastor soon, huh? <laughs> And I had been the worship pastor of the church for years. So it wasn't like, and again, he wasn't, if it had been you saying that, it would have been an awesome burn, but he was being serious. And it just, re all, you know, these things reveal how we are so centered on information. And so there's already a danger even before COVID that we're just going to go down the rabbit hole of like, it, we listen to a podcast of a famous preacher instead of like actually digging into, you know, our community's entire experience of worship together. And now I think with COVID, it's like, if you've got a YouTube video, you can just grab the little scroll bar and go right past the music straight to the sermon. And the second it's over, you close it. Um, and again, you know, not to speak out of turn here, but we do kind of know to some extent that that's happening. So, um, yeah, we do. Speaking of skipping things, <laughs> <laughs> nobody <laughs> noticed a thing, you know, obsessive gardener posited that you were raptured. Yeah, this is the good That's one. a different episode. But uh, I told him if one person was raptured it from this room, me. it would be Kevin, not either of us. <laughs> I was just telling him, I, I, I'll, I'll really briefly relate the story I just told them because you'll appreciate this. I, uh, I might have told you this when it happened, but when I, when I first, first started preaching, I'll do the super short version. I was in the bathroom before service on a Sunday and I had the microphone on and it was like one of the first times I preached. Mm. And a dude in the bathroom with me looked at the microphone on my ear and said, Oh, you're going to be a real pastor soon. And he wasn't trying to be mean. And he was right. And he was right. And it's still yet to come. And still, it's still working funny. on it, man. It's, it's like, still funny. It's like Pinocchio. Say it again. Say it again. 
you're going to be a real pastor soon. <laughs> I mean, it'd be a good burn if he was trying to burn me. But the, po- the reason I brought it up is because this dude was being sincere in his whole, and I'd been the worship pastor there for a couple of years at that point. So he was, he had seen me sing week after week. Yeah. And I was about to preach. And to him, he's like, that's what the yeah. actual church and, is about. Yeah. And that's, it's so much more than that. And to the main point about what we've been missing significantly is a, that kind of gathering that singing together, um, that's, that's going to be important to reestablish. And I mean, disembodied life outside of just the church has become like scarily normal. Over yeah. The last and it's year. not good for you. Like it's bad for your soul. Like we're, we're meant to be people that live in, in families and communities and have those connections. That's the way we're wired. So it's good that we're on the up. Yeah. And we talked in previous episode a long time ago about how there's almost like a, a Gnostic thing that can sort of start to creep in, in situations like this, where when you've been kind of over, over a year, subtly having this idea reinforced that like physical is bad. So we need to stay away from other people, even if there's good reason to do that. I'm not saying that one way or the other, but that you need to stay away from people. You need to cover your face. You need to make sure that you're only with your family and not with people from outside your family. And again, I'm not trying to say anything on, on either side about whether that's good or bad, but what it does the to effect, you, we can safely say the effect is, is bad no matter what in that all of a sudden normal human interactions aren't taking place. And then when they begin to take place again, you, you may have like, it's like your brain knows this is okay but you still feel like something's wrong. Yeah, that's actually a really good point to make probably, that for many of us, especially if you took the shelter in place really, really seriously for a whole year and you've just been really dialed with that, the coming back could feel wrong. Like on an intuitive gut level, like this is dangerous, this is bad. Because you have habits inform you more than you think. Yeah. This is why um, like every year at the beginning of the year, like, it's New Year's. We're going to set some New Year's resolution. And the, the research is like super clear on this. All the New Year's resolutions you set, majority of people like within the first three weeks are going to break them because it doesn't matter what you say here. It's the habits that are driving your everyday behavior. And we've had a disruption to the church rhythm, but also had a disruption just to kind of normal human interactions as far as having people over or as, far as being distant in a grocery store or something yeah. like that. All of those things changed our behavior for a year. And they're going to be awkward for many people coming out of those. So the message there is if it feels weird at first, you got to just talk to yourself and know this is to be expected. This is going to feel weird. That doesn't mean that it's bad or that it's wrong. If you're being wise and you're, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And for, and for church life, we want to see people come back in person um, as much as possible because there's a benefit that's, that's there in the corporate gathered body that doesn't, doesn't take place. I mean, you guys know this, everyone, people who know me well know this. I'm introverted. It's not like, I'm like, Oh man, I just got to get back to church. So I can talk to people and say, it's It's easy for you to not have a crowd of people. Yeah. But but it's, I know it's not good for my soul for sure. And it's not good for anybody's. Yeah. And it could definitely, it seems like it could also feed into something that tends to happen anyway and was already happening before COVID, which is these kind of like personalized redefinings of what church is for an individual. So like you'll see on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, 
a picture of somebody like on a trail on a hike in the middle of the woods saying like, yeah. this is my church. Like, you know, my walk with God yeah. or the beach that, yeah. you know, I go to the beach with my Bible and you can't do church by yourself. Yeah. It's impossible. It, it doesn't work that way. Now, could you have a very rewarding spiritual time, a, a quiet time with you and God on the trail? Yes. But church by definition is the gathering. It's the assembly of God's people. It's the bringing together. Yeah. Uh, and the principle, look, this, I think I might've mentioned this in theology Thursday before, but people say things like all you need is God. All I need is God. And yes, there's a sense in which that is true, but you also have to recognize that there's a major sense in which that is not true. And God says, says it so because at the beginning of the creation story, there is just man and God, and it is not good for man to be alone. Yeah, so he, not cre good. he creates another human being and that's talking about marriage, Adam and Eve. But that principle, I believe, is is applicable in pretty much every area. Um, in fact, it it it's not just speaking of of marriage. In general, it's not good for people to be alone. So one of the worst punishments is solitary confinement. Right. Yeah. It's one of the worst things you could do to a human being because we're wired for other human connection. And certainly, church is a weekly time you get to do that, and you're centering on. Jesus, the person who you're all saying we're, we're coming together for. And then you have these activities like listening to the preach word, taking communion, singing together, yeah. post-service refreshment, donut table. Donuts, which are essential. Now we can get, we can jump into some Bible here just briefly because what, you're bringing up a really great point, which is that church is by definition a group thing. You can't mm -hmm. do it by yourself. And this is where we always are hammering on this, but precision in your language is important. Because like you said, it's, Dude, I love hiking and being out on trails and being in nature and stuff, mm -hmm. and I do connect with God there. But the minute you call it church, you've made a fundamental theological mistake. So when we say the word church, if you look at the word in the New Testament that's translated as church over and over and over again, it's the Greek word ekklesia. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you've ever been to a hipster church, there's a good chance it was called ekklesia. A lot of churches named ekklesia. You know churches. what's funny? We won't spend too much time here, but you, I could, I'm pretty good at this. I can tell when a church was, what decade a church was planted in <laughs> by the name. Let me give you, a, let me make a couple up and you can, and you tell me what decade okay. it would be. These aren't real churches, so it's not a good Well, test. hold on, because okay. there probably are real churches. So this isn't mocking any church. Yeah. I'm coming up with these South, in my Our brain. church, South Valley Community Church, Nate, that, when you had a community church that was big when the majority of churches that were being planted, they were sort of non-denominational. They were... Um, kind of going off a seeker sensitive light model uh, and there was tons of just family churches or community yeah. churches. So it's, it's not, it's not capping on anything. It's yeah, just, it's just kind it's of like funny making fun of the fact of seventies was this type of music. Yeah. And this. so there's a hundred, not a hundred, there's way more, there's thousands of churches called cornerstone Yeah, because that's a biblical image of Jesus yeah. and you find those all over the place, but you know, within a 10 year span when a church called cornerstone yeah. was planted and, and it wasn't in the last 10 years after after those churches came, there was like a, there was verb ones. So yeah. we're going to be like resonate or yeah. reverberate. reverberate. Um, <laughs> we both said reverberate at the same yeah, time. And then amplify. And then there was the era where when we were part of a church plant that later merged back with this church, where you take like a, a theological term that was the least kind of seeker friendly like thing. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. There was incarnate faith. It was like, There's a really famous church in Portland incarnate. called Imago Dei. Imago Dei, yeah. yeah. And all some of these churches, we love, they're great churches. It's just that was the era at which they did. So I don't know what the current, it'd be interesting. What's going to be What's next? the post-COVID? Now, it could be 
you could have tons of churches explicitly have in their title the idea of in one way or another it's gathered like yeah the gathering the gathering like the that. table would be a good one yes because you're emphasizing the kind of communal coming together yeah kevin's or, gonna plant a church called unmasked mine <laughs> now, that i i'm now okay i'm missing something but the main po- the or the opposite that you might lean into the digital sphere and it you start to adopt kind of like digital yeah. wording because we're going to be a complete online church we're not we're not leaving what we've learned from covid kind of behind we're actually just going into Embracing that even it all more. the way um, and so you may see bo- probably both of those streams and then these names reflect that. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, it's interesting because most of them are neutral. Somebody, somebody actually asked in the chat is Foursquare one and Foursquare is a little bit different because that's not a church name. It's an association type, type of thing. So yeah. it's not, so you'll have, um, different churches and there'll be a Foursquare church that yeah. they belong to. And that tells you like kind of what their affiliation is yeah. and some yeah. things about their theology and stuff within, re- within, you know some variants. So that word ecclesia, which is where that giant digression started and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing about that and, and the reason that why it's worth exploring is because it's literally just the word that means gathering or assembly. Yeah. It's the Greek word, common Greek word for when a group of people meet. So if we look at like Acts 19, Kevin, you want to pull up my computer here? Kevin, if you had to name a church right now to plant a new church, what would you name it? You got five seconds. One. Ex cathedra. Oh, that's weird. That's from the cathedra. It's a Latin term. It's a, it's where you speak authoritatively, specifically most often used in the Catholic church for when the Pope speaks with authority to, now, to the church. Would he be trying to draw in people leaving the Roman Catholic well, church? See, Ca- Is that the-, the, the thing would be that's like a super high pastor authority church, but yeah. that's not Kevin. <laughs> this is like... Kevin tried to pull this earlier in one of the yeah. meetings we were talking about, hey, if someone wants to get baptized on the fly, who's going to jump in the water? And Kevin immediately goes, oh, I'm not getting in the water. Come and on. we all know Kevin's Kevin good. is the first person in <laughs> tears, hands up, sing, and like thanking Jesus on his knees for the... Kevin tried really hard he to let us... He tries to be hard, man. No, I was going to say he tried to, to get us to let him be baptized multiple times because he gets so excited he did. about he gets it every so time. happy of, you know, and ba- I, I, I was borderline open to it based judging on the fruit. I was like, man, Maybe you were never <laughs> safe to begin with, man. I might have to baptize. I love this you. session oh, of man. us making fun of uh, of Kevin with the screen up right now. Um, so this is this is what's interesting. This is just a good example of how this word is used because the word ecclesia occurs twice in in a couple of verses here, um, and neither of the times it means the same thing, and neither of the times it means church. So this is at the end of a situation that Paul's in. Um, Kevin, can you throw the tiny picture of me on the Bible on the Bible or no? If you can't, oh yeah, there I am. Um, it's really important that people be able to. He see likes me. to see himself. I want to be looking at a monitor. I gotta, I gotta make sure my head's still nice and shiny. Got that? Yeah, shiny. <laughs> so, uh, so here, so here's the context here. There's a giant riot occurring in Ephesus around um, disruption of the silver trade because people are abandoning idol worship. That's how big of a splash Christianity's yeah. making in yeah. Ephesus. Super cool. So there's a riot going on and things are getting really out of control, and so. Um, finally, you have a, an authoritative person. The ta- he's called the town clerk. He shows up and he says, he tells everybody to leave. And at the end of that, he says, if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular ecclesia. Mm. Whatever that is. It's not clear. But there's, a, he's, there's an afor- some there's type a, of formal body a that formal gathers. formal gathering of people 
that will settle this. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the ecclesia. So that's the same word twice, meaning two different. I mean, those two things are as different as they could be. The only yeah. thing they have in common is it's a bunch of people together. Mm -hmm. And so this became the technical term for church yeah. within the time of, of the New Testament. Very early, very early. So, you know, you can obviously, you can overstress like how important something's literal definition is. Yeah. It, it's not always, you know, terms grow, especially when they're used technically and take on greater yeah. meaning and stuff. But the point is core to the very idea of what church is, mm -hmm. is that it's a group of people gathering together. Yeah, and the important part about the group gathering was that this body of believers that was now gathering was composed of Jews and Gentiles, which yeah. may not seem like a big deal, but that's a massive component to it. It's like, no, you're actually going to get people together from different backgrounds, different lifestyles, different, all this different stuff, you know, bring them together. And you're going to center again on Jesus. So it's the, the gathering of God's people, but it's a, a diverse body, um, which was, I mean, what the early church overcame was, was crazy. We've talked about how in f the church, the imagine the first church in Philippi, yeah. there's like a Roman centurion there, this person, this person, a slave girl, yeah. a Jewish scholar, and they're all coming together to center on Jesus. So it's the gathering of God's people. And it's like, no matter where you've been, we're coming together because Jesus has changed us. Yeah. And that, I mean, you cannot overstate the importance of that theme in the new Testament. It's really easy to miss as a modern person reading because it doesn't, jump out at you, the issues of Jews and Gentiles, but I mean, a massive percentage of what Paul is dealing with in his letters. Yeah, I'd feel comfortable saying two-thirds of the New Testament outside of the Gospels is about that issue. Yeah, Jacob Jacob had some really great <laughs> church names. <laughs> Throw it up. He says his new church is called Narnia or Skyrim, maybe consubstantiation. <laughs> Those are all really good. Obsessive liked it. I like Narnia as a church name. It's just so like unabashedly nerdy in a good way. That could be cool. It could. Like, I mean, not if Jacob starts like it, but if someone cool started Saint, it. Uh, Saint Aslan of Narnia of Gilroy. Yeah. Oh, so you would actually take that name on as the leader of the church or that's your no, title. No, 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 no. That's even better now that I'm thinking about it. I wasn't you even could be the high there. king. Yeah. Um, Obsessive wants to call his mortal combat. Oh boy. So, so okay, before we lose the thread, because this is really important. The, Isaac said approximately two thirds of what the issues being resolved involved. Yeah, and that's a rough together. estimate, but. And honestly, I just have to say, looking back over the last year of the things that Christians have been willing to divide over and fight over mm -hmm. and break fellowship over, and then looking at the New Testament and saying, these are people groups who, who wouldn't eat dinner in the same house a week ago. And now Jesus rose from the dead and you have to meet together every Lord's day. I if mean, if you were a Jewish Christian and a Roman centurion showed up, Rome, first off is the empire that oppresses you. The centurion yeah. is Rome's arm, the sword. They're the ones who crucified your family members. And then on top of that, a Roman centurion, they were there to crucify Jesus. Yeah. And yet the the first Christians were able to say, we're going to do this thing and break bread together. Because Paul says those differences no longer divide you. There's no longer Jew or Greek. I mean, that just comes and goes as a modern person, but there is no longer Jew or Greek. 
for mm-hmm. a former Pharisee to say after 2,000 years of Jewish history. I mean, it is, that is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you know, not to get preachy, but like when you see people dividing over the things that we've divided over the last year, I'm not saying they're not important. I'm just saying. Yeah, and there are things worth dividing over. There are. Um, because we see that in the New Testament. But the, the, the trajectory and the kind of the theme of the New Testament is that at all cost, you do your best to preserve the unity and whatever kind of differences you have, you do your, and here's the secret here. Honestly, here's the secret. It's, here it it's is way easier. It's easier <laughs> said than done. The more you center on Christ and the more that is that, which is most important, the more those things on the side aren't as central to you. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not that they don't matter or that you don't acknowledge or talk about them or even argue about them, but you're just saying their relative importance diminishes. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, um, my wife had a very, this was years ago. I remember when she said it, but it was, it always stuck out to me. And it's not to say there's anything wrong with having specific kind of ministries because we have specific kind of targeted specialized ministries and there's a time and place for them. But let's say you have like a, um, and we don't have this, but I'd be, I'd be happy to do this type of ministry. Let's say we have a, a cycling ministry, get a bunch of people together and we going to ride our bikes from Gilroy to Morgan Hill every Wednesday night, something like that. That's fine. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. But oftentimes churches get pulled into, we have to create things so people with common interests can connect and then they can talk about bikes and then, and then we'll throw some Jesus on the side. But we're really center. What we're centering on in that point is cycling. Right. Um, which is fine, but then you're always just going to gravitate towards people who share your yeah. same interest. And the, the church whole, is fundamentally about doing the, the opposite whole thing. endeavor of the church is that when you center on Jesus, those differences and cycling is neutral. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean this like an even more controversial sense. Yeah. The more you center on Jesus, then those other things aren't, aren't as, for instance, Kevin thinks Green Day is a good band. That's a trash opinion. That's I mean, horrible. This that is a bad is, example because there are things worth breaking fellowship over. This gets as close this, as you could get from the, me, but because of our love <laughs> for the gospel, we've been able to work outside yeah. of that. But man. That's true. It's very common for like several of us on staff to be eating somewhere and a song is playing on the radio and most of us are just aggressively talking smack about how bad the like, song is. And Kevin's just real quiet. He's in his, he's in his groove. He's dancing. And everyone looks at Kevin and goes... You like that, man? You kind of like this, huh? I mean, now I got to say, because the Obsessive Gardener, you guys are cracking us up tonight, but Obsessive Gardener wants to call his church Mortal Combat, and he says when he evangelizes, he's going to tell people, get over here. <laughs> That's cheesy. I like it. That's a dad joke. Okay, so on this These kind are of- silly examples, but they actually serve the point Yeah. well, is that center on Christ and do your best to to have that be kind of the gravitational pull of everything. And when you do that, you'd be surprised. Yeah, how the much people you might get along yeah. with. And I mean, it's not, I mean, t- t- just to talk about the theological power of this idea, like in Ephesians, Paul talks about how when this happens, mm-hmm. when Babel is reversed and people who used to be disparate come mm-hmm. together under the banner of Jesus, he says, cosmic powers and principalities yeah. have the wisdom of God revealed to them. Yep. Meaning, angelic spiritual supernatural beings good and bad watch the church unite despite Mm -hmm. their differences and go this is what god has been doing and they get them paul says the manifold wisdom of god is revealed it is and it was the great mystery hidden for for all the ages and now it's finally being revealed that both jew and gentile now if you as a 
modern Western evangelical said the great mystery concealed for all time is it's the forgiveness of sins. That's, that would be the first thing off your yes. mouth, yes. not Jew and Gentile coming together. And that's, that shows the disconnect we have with what the new Testament yeah. is really focused. And again, I'm not trying to, it's, it's a false dichotomy. It's not one or the other, yeah. but Paul is focused on when he's talking to Ephesus. Well, the whole reason why you can come together is because you're learning to forgive and walk in unity. And it's precisely, you're learning to forgive precisely because you have been forgiven much as well. Yeah. So, uh, and it's a good point. Oftentimes we pit things against each other when really in the Bible they're, they're interconnected and they flow, they flow from yeah. each other. Case in point, people often talk about church isn't something you go to. It's something you are or like, yes. don't go to church, be the church. Um, and I would argue that those are unhelpful and in fact, false dichotomies. Yes. So it's not a question of, do I go to church or do I be the, do I be the church? Mm -hmm. Which is how you would say it, but not me. I was homeschooled. Yeah. <laughs> do, I, true. do I go to church or am I the church? The, the biblical answer is both of those things are completely reasonable ways to describe how a person relates to the yeah. church. Because, you know, we've talked about this before, but it, it bears bringing up again that um, sometimes we only define things negatively mm -hmm. and that can be helpful so you define the church by what it is not. And that's the, I'm guilty of this. The most common way to do it is you say things like the church is not a building. The church is not a meeting. Yeah. The church is the people of God. And that is technically true, but I think it would be more precise to say the church is not only a meeting. The church is not yeah. only a building. The church is not primarily a building, but it's, it's sort of like there's a baby in the bathwater when you start throwing things like buildings and meetings out, because it's like, what, what did they call it? They called it a gathering. Yeah, it's still, it's got to gather somewhere. Yeah. So that weekly meeting is not all the church is, but it's, it's a central part of what it is and has been from the very beginning. So I just, I would just encourage that, you know, be precise with your speech and your thought on this and recognize that, yeah, it's, it's not just about being the church versus going to the church. A Christian is, does both. You recognize that you are the church and one of the functions of the church is to gather together. Yeah. One of, there was a very popular saying that's, that's, still helpful, but it talked about the church gathering and scattering. And it's this kind of weekly rhythm that the church does that you gather together and scattering. I don't really like that word, but the idea was there is that you gather and then you break off and on mission and you're evangelizing in the week. And there's this, this kind of repeated cycle yeah. of gathering and Yes, gather and scatter is because it has a nice little rhythm to it, but scatter has two negative. It's of a, a weak and negative thing. Yeah. Yeah. The point is you gather and you have that community and that learning and that opportunity to worship together with your brothers and sisters. And then you go and you be the church in the community. Yeah. And so it's not one or the other. And I think this kind of gets into a lot of the debates that happened early on during the shelter in place and the shutdowns, yeah. which were, you'd see, I, I saw this all over my timeline and please be gracious with yourself if you did this, because tons and tons of people who I love and respect did, and they're not completely wrong. But I would see back to back two different people who are mature Christians. One would say, we have to fight back because we can't let them shut the church down. Yeah. And then the very next person would say the church isn't something that can be shut down because the church isn't a service and it isn't a building. Mm. And, it, and, um, those are both making really broad theological assumptions that are in conflict with each other. And, and when you look at it, you're like, well, which one's right? And the answer is like, they both have truth to them. Right. Yeah. And we tried to be very nuanced at the very beginning. We were, we did a, theology Thursday episode. I wasn't even on it yet. I was just like, yeah, you were a special guest, guest on a special Skype. guest. Now I'm not even special anymore. It's not special um, or a guest. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we wanted to be very clear that 
what we are doing with digital ministry is, is something that we're doing in the meantime, but it's not optimal and it's not the original kind of design that God gave for his people. Uh, and then very early on, it was like, we, if, if we can meet outdoors and kind of start doing these things, we're going to do as much as possible. Some people wanted to still stay, stay at home and do the digital thing until they felt more safe. And we had a wide diverse spectrum of opinions like at this church, but like every church and everywhere yeah. you go, diversity of opinion. But I wanted to do, we wanted to be as clear in our language that long-term, no matter where you are, long-term is the belief, I, I believe that church has to have a gathering component of people and you break bread together and you sing together and you listen to God's word together. And so uh, it's great to have online options. Let's say you're 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 going on some vacation and you're on a on a plane Sunday morning somehow. I, I love the option of like you pay that twenty bucks to get their cheap internet. Yeah. And you could watch your church service or something. But that's that's like a a, a supplement on the side, but it's not what has to be the kind of bread and butter. Yeah, you've used the example before and we'll probably talk about this in the baptism episode, but of people during a drought in yeah. church history who baptized using dirt because there's no water. Yeah. So let's say you, you're, there's a drought and pe like 300 people became Christian and that's like the whole village. It's like, dude, we, we can't use that much water. On yeah, this. So it's like, we're going to just, we're not going to do full immersion or something. Um, there was even discussions, uh, times is, was it appropriate to use milk? And it's like, yeah. no, we're not going to baptize you with milk at the church. But if there was nothing else and all I had was milk, I'm yeah. pouring that, that milk on you. Type What's of the thing. most important thing. And right? so we've wanted to do ministry as much as possible in a digital manner, but long-term that it's not a replacement. Yeah. It's not a replacement at all. It's sort of, it's another one of those things that's hidden in the English translations in the Bible, but the preponderance, well, there's a word that's came out of my mouth and I feel embarrassed about it. Sorry. You're the, the preponderance of pronouns when it, when Paul is addressing the church sounds singular in English because we don't have plural. You're pronouns. so homeschool. You did alliteration with that. The preponderance of pronouns. Yeah. <laughs> In Paul's epistles. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just, it just flows. The dork just flows out of you. <laughs> flowing, an ever-flowing fountain of dork. <laughs> yep. So the preponderance of pronouns in Paul's epistles are plural. That's good. That's good. It's good. But it keeps getting better. So, that, so here's the idea. In it's English. It's predictable at this it's point. It's predictable. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, I'm never going to recover from this. It's that this is actually a combination of my two loves, which is being a nerdy homeschooler and underground lyrical hip hop are coming yeah. together in this moment. And bad dad, dad joke. And bad, do and bad dad joke humor yeah. all at the same time. So in English, we really only have um, pronouns that are singular, even if we're using them plurally. Meaning if I, I could tell a room full of people, you know, yeah. go, grab a, go grab your snack. And when I say your, I mean all of you guys. Or I could tell one person, go grab your snack. And it's the same thing. Um, in the Bible, I would I feel pretty comfortable saying the vast majority of pronouns when Paul is talking to you, the reader, are plural, not singular. And you can't see that in English because it just says your. So pull up my Bible, Kevin. There's just one example. Every single pronoun in this verse is uh, plural, not singular. Therefore, my beloved, as you, by which he means all of you. Yeah. So here, here, y'all, not you. As Y'all, all of you guys have always obeyed. So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your, all of your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
for it is how God works in all of you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you've always probably heard that verse as like, you know, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. The language and then the culture of hyper-individualism amplify that, where in the original context, it's the reverse of that. They're not only hearing the, the plural with the language, they're actually hearing that as one person out loud in a room reads this text to the group. To all of them. So they're not only, the language is not only saying y'all, but the The actual corporate embodied experience is a community experience where we're the complete opposite. We're reading our own personal Bible by ourselves and our language is saying singular, you, 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 you. And it's just a straight up accident of the English language that that we fall into that. But that verse, just that one verse, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. That verse is so much more comforting and powerful to me when I hear it as a plural. Yeah. He's telling you, Christians, work out your collective salvation And you're going to do together. it together. The assumption is together. It's not like, I'm going to do this all by myself, so I have to stick to my Bible reading plan. I have to make sure I, I do Wednesday Bible study. Yeah, it's need, not, that's not the intent. It's you together as a community. And so, you know, one, one thing that I think is a helpful theological category for this sort of like, can the church be closed? Can the church not be closed? Um, and it bears mentioning here, I think, is this the idea of the the visible versus the invisible church. Mm-hmm. And this is a really, really old theological idea that you have. The visible church, which is the body of Christ in time and space, enacted in individual groups of people, large and small. So there's a visible church that has various kind of, you know, local congregations. I, well, you know what's so funny? I was just editing myself to sound less nerdy. I wanted to say instantiations. Keep and I said congregations. Keep trying. Because <laughs> the do- it's a never-ending fountain of dork over it's here. The flow, the That's dork a good choice. Flows. Good choice. To the not dork. say instantiations? Instantiations. Yeah. Yeah. Good Bo- choice not to use that. <laughs> both of you are, both of y'all are dorks. Yeah, both y'all dorks. Now, All to be fair, dorks. Kevin would have known what instantiation meant, guaranteed, because he, he tries to act like he's not with his graphic tees of comic book characters yeah. and stuff, but he's a full-blown dork, too. Yeah, he, he is. It's so true. So local congregations are part of the visible church the world over. Mm -hmm. But then in addition to that, there's this theological category of the universal church or the invisible church, which is everyone who trusts in Jesus for salvation dead and alive throughout all of history. And I mean that like, if you just think about that for a couple minutes, it's one of the most powerful thoughts ever that we believe they are still living. Meaning the, the invisible church is comprised of every dead believer and every living believer yeah. from the resurrection of Jesus until this mm-hmm. moment and on into the future. So that includes Paul the Apostle and St. Augustine mm-hmm. and Martin Luther and, you know, you name it. And so yeah. there's... Paul the Apostle goes to your church is a true statement. Yeah, how powerful is that? He doesn't go to the visible, localized body of South Valley Community He doesn't go to church. our instantiation. Yes, but the... Ch- the invisible church, we, we are part of the same body. And that body is the body of Christ. And so in that sense, this is what I think is really helpful, is that the person who says, don't be afraid of government shutdowns because the church cannot be shut down. They are correct about the invisible church. Yep. There's a sense in which the church with a capital C is not subject to any kind of closure. Yep. And even if the doors of the building are closed, the it, church it can't be stopped. Yeah. March, the gates of hell, nothing could stop it. It's It's just what's up to the world type of thing. But it's a bit of an oversimplification to say to say that flippantly and not realize that da- real damage is done to the visible church when it yeah. shuts its doors for a year. And I have the blessing because I have little kids and I'm married that on Sunday mornings is we still got to do church together. So I'm doing it not alone. But many of you 
you guys know, yeah. you were watching online by yourself. And that's that's not the intended goal of church. That's not God's design template for the church. And so that's why it is going to be very, very important for us to rebuild these habits of going to church, um, physically connecting with, with, with people, seeing them worshiping with other people, hearing God's word preached. To, I mean, some of you, you guys have already told me, it's like you've said, I've loved watching the sermons online, but then when you came back, it was like all of a sudden the same stuff was being taught, but it was hitting me differently in person. Yeah. Man, and as a That's preacher, just how humans are. There's a difference between listening to a record and seeing your favorite band perform live. I the level of the amount I despise a recorded Green Day album <laughs> is only magnified if I were to see them live. Oh, interesting. And the inverse is true. If it's a good band, it's even better live. But but not that, Green Day, which is a bad band. Bad to be band. Clear. Okay, it gets worse. <laughs> But that is true of, of worship and communion. Um, I mean, think about preaching just as, as preachers, like how horrible, how hamstrung do you feel by preaching straight to a camera? Yeah, one of the hardest things for me, honestly, was when I first did communion yeah. online because my theology tells me that's a gathered thing, but because you know, there, there wasn't corporate gatherings the first couple, couple months. It was like, well, we're going to do the milk thing. We don't yeah. got any water. We're going to do milk. Um, but it was very difficult. It was just, it was difficult, the but it was still a good it. thing. And it was still, it still was powerful in a weird way that this can even triumph through the limitations. But just because something can triumph through limitations doesn't mean that that's what you keep going and build a habit out of. Yeah. And it's interesting because doing this show, for example, doesn't and never did feel weird or wrong to me because it's a, it's, it's a different format that was created for this yeah. form. Whereas like when we preach these sermons over the last year to a camera, like it just doesn't even feel like you're doing the same thing. It's sort of like the minute you get in front of even, even a small congregation, there's say there's 20 people yeah. there and I'm actually, we're, we're having this kind of communication together. Mm -hmm. It's just so clearly the way it was designed to work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important to note is we're going to keep doing a lot of the church is still going to do a lot of digital ministry. This Theology Thursday will continue. Um, other things will continue. And we're still going to, down the road, be live streaming our services. But the end goal for Sundays is for sure to be in-person and body. Yeah, and but things like this, things like that. this is meant to kind of be this online YouTube experience. So that even if there was never COVID and we came up with this idea, we would still probably yeah. be It's a be great way it. to teach theology to a big group of people at their kind of convenience in that sense. But yeah, there's, there's definitely, and that's kind of, you know, where I think we should kind of start to wrap up here is that idea of you've got to, as you can, as it's safe, as you're able, um, prioritize getting back in person. Um, just cause th this is the way it's meant to be. And I think again, at the simplest level, it's like, what did they call this thing that we're a part of? They called it a gathering from the very yeah, beginning. And there's, there's a couple important points. Um, you can't walk with the Lord appropriately without others because you're a fallen mm. sinner Yeah, and you need other people in your life to both call you out and to encourage you and to come around you, bless you, strengthen you, all of that stuff. You need other people teaching you God's word because it's good for you to learn God's word by yourself, but you don't see everything. And just like I don't see everything, that's why you need more people looking at the text. It's this, again, this corporate communal activity. Three, 
just on a plain kind of basic human level, it's good to physically get up, go somewhere, see people, have them acknowledge that you exist. Like yeah. that is all of that stuff is, is yeah. good. Have and your so, kids see that rhythm as part of yeah, your life. Be a part. Yeah. Being so engaged as, in that. as things kind of are on the up, we just want to encourage as many people as possible. Don't, don't just settle for digital. There'll be digital stuff like theology Thursday that you could keep watching. But man, as soon as you're able get, get back in the rhythm of, of going. Yeah. And it makes me think of this exact conversation always makes me think of Paul and all the letters he wrote that he's using what was technology at the time for sure. Yeah. So there's a Roman road, there's a courier system by which letters are delivered and he sends letters to churches that need to hear from him when he can't get there. But the letters say things like, I long to be with you again. I'm Wade can't wait. And so he knows like, this is the best way at this moment to do this. But what I really want is to be with you. And so again, we're not, you know, we're not trying to like drop the hammer on everybody, like be back next week. Everybody's got different situations going on, but the goal should be that as soon as you're able, um, and by the way, we, and and I think the vast majority of churches have done our best to do this in a way that's, that's safe where you can feel safe. Um, and we're not trying to be reckless with anything. Um, Yeah. We really, we've, we've tried to preserve the unity in, in the body of Christ, the best of our ability. And, um, yeah, the, the, in the end statement is just, it's not a long-term solution. Online Sundays is not a long-term solution for your for your soul and your health, and it's not what what the scriptures had in mind long-term. I'm do am I thankful for everything that we were able to do? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I'm very thankful, and I I'm glad that we we had the milk, if you will, yeah. for this. But we need to get back to yeah. Long-term. And just remember, man, the church was meeting in person two thousand years ago. This. This year will be a blip in history. This particular civilization will likely be a blip in history. And until Jesus returns, the church will gather and meet together in person, embodied. So we're anxious to get back to that. So with the rest of the series, we're going to look at some of the kind of theological categories involved in church and try to do a deeper understanding of, of things like communion, things like baptism, things like worship. As always, we'll probably do a Q&A at the end. So if you've got questions on these subjects, be don't just like, you know, if you have it right now, don't assume you'll remember it later. Go ahead and email me now if you got questions and we'll stack them up for the end. There's a good chance as we close that Kevin is already, as the closer song, pulled the Green Day song. That's possible. But don't I could play. do that without you guys seeing. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, we would have ended the live stream if we saw him doing that. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here. Um, In the words of Paul, we long to see you. We long to be with you. See you guys next week.